0: Because it's fun. fun to do bad
1: things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I wanted
0: to do hilarious stuff with my friend. Yeah. You can't tell us what the fuck to do.
1: You can stay inside your little well-prepared box. We step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life.
0: The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green!
1: Alright everyone, welcome to The Green Room, we're doing it live here in beautiful Silver Lake, California, in the Silver Lake Studios. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 247Comedy.com. You can go over there and get uh, streaming comedy 24-7, or you can uh, check them out on your local AM, FM station. You go to 247Comedy.com. they got all the affiliates, 1027 in Austin, 1025 Kansas City. they got got uh, 580 in North Carolina, I think, um, Pittsburgh, Riverside. They're all over the world. Speaking of global travelers, I'd like to welcome on my (laughs) left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's shaking, man? How? How? Yeah. What's that? Is that a... uh,
0: That's the... uh, It's an ancient Native American greeting. (laughs) They also used to use, hi, how are ya? Hi, how are ya?
1: (laughs) All right. I like it. Dig it. (laughs) Logan Logan (laughs) had a grimace at his own opening bit. Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't... <laughs> but I. Hey, I well, that pretty-
1: that's fine, Logan. That's 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 part of the beauty of your opening bit. You come up with a different way to say hello, and uh, you know, is a nice way to transition into the beginning of the program. Logan, what's uh, what's been shaking with you, man? What's new in your world?
0: Uh nothing much. I mean, well, <laughs> I guess the biggest thing is something we're both involved in. We we're we were. Uh, I don't know. Can we talk about it on here?
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's not much to talk about. We shot a, uh, we were trying to do a pilot at the Comedy Garage, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It didn't work out with the people we were working with, so, yeah, I don't know. There's not much to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys will read about it in our, you know, autobiographies someday, but.
1: Yeah, good times, Logan. <laughs> great, great story. It's pretty story. interesting. All right. Speaking of a man who has many a story to tell, many a yarn to weave, I'd like to welcome on Mr. David Van Huysen. David, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Yeah, you look fine, man. You, oh, look, uh, wow. you look like uh do- you look like you're doing well.
2: So I now uh <laughs> all
1: right David. Let's yeah. uh let's scratch your lottery ticket a little bit here. Where are you from originally?
2: Great state of South Dakota.
1: South Dakota. All <laughs> yep. right. Now you um South Dakota kind of a small I'm guessing a small town, right?
2: Yeah, 750. 750 people. Yep.
1: Now that's, I mean, did you grow up there your entire life?
2: Yep. Uh, my whole childhood. Until I graduated high school, I was there in Armour, South Dakota. Okay. What's
0: the largest city in South Dakota?
2: Sioux Falls. Oh. Home January Jones.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. For you really? celebrity
2: people out there.
1: <laughs> people <laughs> enjoy celebrity sightings and uh, South Dakota trivia. You can combine both with that little nugget there. Yes. All right, David. So let's, uh, let's, kinda, let's figure you out here. What was, uh, what was childhood like growing up for you?
2: Uh, well, pretty normal for me, I guess. You know, yeah. Sports. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah. What? Um, uh, what was your big sport growing up?
2: Um, I like basketball for the most of the time, but I kind of transitioned into football later on.
1: Yeah. How were you? Were you a good athlete?
2: Not really. Not really. I
1: guess. Yeah. Well, you're a tall guy. I didn't.
2: I wasn't always tall. Not in high school, anyway. I was, oh, really?
1: Hit the growth spurt late. Yeah.
2: I was six four by the time I graduated, but up until then, no. Damn. You were
1: just a uh, smaller guy.
2: Yeah. Five seven. Two six four. Oh wow! That was Whoa. my high school. So wait, <laughs> so when did
1: you when did you hit that uh, growth spurt?
2: I was probably six two um, in football my senior year, and then uh, so it was kind of five seven when I was a freshman, five nine when I was a sophomore, six feet when I was a junior, and six two, six four when I was a senior. So not the real body type to be a great athlete, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's, uh, it
0: sounds like you would get more into basketball as you got taller, but
2: well, I quit my junior year. Right. Now, what?
1: Why'd you quit sports? I think that's always an interesting thing because, eventually, I think uh, you know guys at at a certain age will hit a wall. Either they're not good enough, they have a run-in with the coach, they blow out. It's either an injury, an issue with the coach, or they just realize they can't do it anymore. What was your
2: issue? Issue with the coach?
1: Really? Yeah. For now, sure. what was the uh, what was the problem?
2: Um. Well, he. Didn't think I should play, and I think that I, I thought that I should play <laughs> it was the big.
1: So you had issue. a uh, n- what? Did you have any sort of like uh, crazy coach characters?
2: Um, well, my coach, she was, uh, I think, a hundred percent German.
1: Um, kind of had a Hitler mustache, I guess. Nice now was he subtle That's about cool it, or was it was it how overt was a Hitler mustache? So I feel like in South Dakota, you might be able to get pretty overt with it, and people wouldn't challenge you on it.
2: I mean it wasn't all the way it wasn't it was brown, so it wasn't black I don't know it was Hitler's black. I have no idea, but uh yeah, it was uh not too bad for the stash, but he was uh he was actually a legend legendary coach uh, considered one of the best basketball coaches in the state so. oh really.
1: So, yeah. well, I mean, according to him. Or, like, did you take it uh, – was there a moment where you just – would you get cut and you just said, screw it?
2: Uh, there's this this game and I, was, I had told myself if this one kid ever played before me, I was gone. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> I was <Man>. gone. So.
1: <laughs> and then yeah. you go to 6-4. I yeah. remember uh, there was a lot of moments like that for me in sports. I remember I was carrying the uh, tackling dummies. I always kind of got regaled to that position. Uh, and uh coach just came up to me and was like, why is a smart fellow like you doing out here playing football? I was like, I don't know, I really <laughs> like football, and he just shook his head. And I, was, I just kind of realized, all right, I'm never, I'm never going to be a star. I'm never going to, you know, yeah. never kind of do anything with it. And it just became to a certain point where I was like, eh, I'd rather just kind of crack jokes and hang out and, and do that yeah. instead of uh,
2: baseball kind of guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, kind of uh, high jinks in the dugout, that kind of stuff. That was always my thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of my—I feel like most of my playing time as an athlete was out of pity, not out of like—it's yeah, either right. a a coach or a dad, you know, recognizing my it, it, mostly a Rudy like situation in my in my <laughs> entire athletic career. People felt bad for me. Yeah. I remember the only time I got in the paper in Little League was uh, I got two hits, and um, you know, nor the thing was like. They- For whatever reason, in our our smaller – I mean it was 70,000 people. So for you, that's a – That's huge. Yeah, yeah. this is like some (laughs) – Metropolis. Yeah, Yeah. some 1986 uh, future world where people are living on top of each other in comparison. But we used to send the uh, Little League baseball scores into the paper. Right. And so they would just have the score and then like one stat line. And I remember I got my name in there once and it was Sean Green, two hits. When in actuality, it wasn't two hits. One was like a fielder's choice, and then one was probably another fielder's choice, but they gave, they gave me infield singles for both. And I remember the one kid was three for four with uh, two triples and was the winning pitcher and didn't get on. But the coaches kind of thought it was funny, like, oh, throw Sean, throw Sean Green, Green about
2: <laughs> Yeah. It's a good story. Yeah, I would just, whenever I got into basketball games, I would just chuck as many shots as I could. Yeah,
1: exactly. Pad the stat line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a selfish player. You're like uh, Allen Iverson. Well, at that point, you have to be. Exactly. You got you to get, uh, get some game tape. You got to get people to notice you. If the coaches so, aren't for you, you got to be for yourself. That is my... You got to look yeah. out for you. So now, where, where <laughs> do you develop the sense of humor, David? When, when do you start... When do you first have the moment where you're like, holy crap, I'm funny? Or did you knowingly want to be funny and then, and then try to be funny?
2: I don't really know. I don't know when I knew I was funny. I guess I did some plays... When I was younger, and I guess I was funny in the plays, so I just kind of knew from there. Yeah, and then, and I did a talk show in my basement. Oh, really? Like tone for a while. Okay,
1: so now why? What? What was the? um why, why start a talk show in your basement? What was the kind of – Well, there's you...
2: really not much else to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. I love how it just was like, well, yeah, that's that's what you got to do. You got to start a talk show in your basement. Why not? Do you remember that one kid who was um, really annoying? He was on uh, – he had actually had a show on
2: – It's like like – it started with an M.
1: Yeah, Michael something. Yeah. He uh, he was like this kid who, you know, it was his dream to have a late night talk show, and then somehow he got onto E Entertainment, right. and it was like, hey, I'm booking the show out of my out of my house, and yeah, then uh, Tom Green was on one episode, and I was just insanely jealous of him. I was
2: mad at him because we had been probably doing that show for two years before it happened. Yep, like. like- Why would the E! Network ever have heard of it? I mean, my parents were the only people that watched it, but... Yeah,
1: I mean, I just assumed there was some sort of connection that... uh, Yeah, I was mad at him, for sure. Oh, yeah, I was was ripe with anger. Because, yeah, I remember... I mean, my whole genesis, or a big reason why I got into comedy, was I would just... You know, fifth, sixth grade in summers, I would be staying up late and watching Conan O'Brien, and it's like, oh, wait, this is an awkward Irish guy kind of cracking wise. Hey, I can do that. I I enjoy making people laugh. Did you have – who was kind of your – the guys that you pattern yourself off of early on?
2: Well, I love – Chris Farley, as lots of people do, I suppose. Uh, but I watch a lot of like old shows. I loved uh, Red Fox off San really? Sanford and Son. Yeah. I really liked Red Fox yeah, so You don't.
1: You don't have a Red Fox style. I don't have a Red <laughs> Fox style at all. I don't picture. I, you're just a laid-back guy who throws uh, out a lot of one-liners, which I, is basically the antithesis of Red Fox. And yeah. In-your-face, uh, crazy black <laughs> dude. I like
2: Newhart a lot, too. That's probably a little more like
1: yeah, me than Newhart.
2: Newhart but, uh,
1: yeah, kind of a drier style.
2: Yeah. I watch a lot of TV land, a lot of old Saturday Night Lives, you know, Farrell and before. It is.
1: uh, I had one of these moments. I think I was at a bar or somewhere, and I saw that. That '70s show was on Nick at Night, and I just immediately had one of those moments of like, "Oh my god, I feel so old." (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching. uh, I I used to watch a lot of Get Smart on Nick at Night when Mm, I was a kid. I was like, "Oh, Get Smart's great," and my parents were like impressed, like, "Wow, you understand this?" I was like, "Yeah, the guy's talking to a shoe phone. What's not to understand? (laughs) That's hilarious." Get Smart.
2: Did you remember the Andy Dick Get Smart? No. Uh, Andy Dick, I think, briefly had he get smart on Fox, and I was all pumped up about that. Really? About Wait, what think do you mean? It was mean? like he... eight episodes.
1: Oh, he did a he did a version of Get Smart. Uh huh. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah,
2: I, I don't remember if the, it was. Yeah. I remember watching it, but I...
1: Andy Dick, the crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just. Uh, I just can't imagine. Did he play Agent Ninety Nine?
2: Yes. <laughs> that yeah. sounds
1: insane because <laughs> yeah. I don't
2: remember. I think I it mean... was probably
1: midnight, mid to late nineties. I think. I remember I remember the um I remember the uh, movie obviously when that came out mm-hmm. but I don't I don't remember ever Did there you go being to it? What's up? Did you go to the Get Smart? No, I didn't. I don't see I don't see a lot of movies. You I go went... to you go to the movies a lot?
2: Well, I when I went to Get Smart I had a girlfriend that was kind of a uh, didn't like good movies, so Get Smart was a pretty major win for me and going <laughs> to a movie.
1: Wait, she didn't like good movies? She
2: liked, you know, 27 dresses, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. So like, going so, like, to Get like, Smart was That was pretty... a nice compromise. <laughs> yeah.
1: That felt good. Like, all right, and, at uh, least Get Smart. We can kind of – that's some middle ground there. Yeah,
2: Bill Murray was in it for like two seconds, so that was that was enough for me.
1: Bill Murray, quietly a weird dude. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't – everyone he else – and
0: everything too. Yeah. Space jam.
1: Yeah, he's he's really bizarre. <laughs> like he's so picky about what he'll do and what yeah. he won't do. And then, you know, he's the voice of Garfield. It's like, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, and he also had a cameo in, uh, what was that movie about zombies? Zombie,
1: zombie land. Right now. All right, the dog was trying to get involved in the podcast. <laughs> we had to cut him off. <laughs> so uh, we had to take a break, break there. Now, now he's, now he's uh, laying down. You should be ashamed. You know, everyone, everyone wants a podcast these days, even yeah. dogs. Am I right? Yeah. Oof, okay, oof. so you got the talk show in the basement. That's when you first kind of start. Start your life as a performer.
2: Biggest guest by the I way guess. in that show. Biggest guest uh, probably probably Dave Nor, who was the star basketball player at the time.
1: Really? Nice. Now did you did you do like a nice pre-interview? Did you? No,
2: I mean I knew him. Yeah, okay. He was my brother's <laughs> friend, so. <it> was <laughs> not a big So that's idea. how you
1: had the in and the booking.
2: Yeah, well, you could have whoever you wanted, basically.
1: Now what? Just a steady single camera shot with a VHS kind yeah. of recorder? Yeah, well,
2: we did some sketch some sketches and then we'd do a little. Interviews, which were re- usually really bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> some segments.
1: Now, now who would you show it to? Just your mom and stuff or like your buddies come My over My parents,
2: and watch? Uh, Big Tone's parents, maybe some friends. Uh, I watched it once in college and then I got really embarrassed and I hid the tapes away <laughs> forever.
1: <laughs> it wasn't even enjoyable in like a novelty sense?
2: My voice was really high. So <laughs> yeah. I was just embarrassed of
1: that. Is not that,
2: always being a man.
1: Yeah. That is um, – when uh, when you're like when you're young and stuff, and you you pick up the phone like hello, and then they, <laughs> they start talking to you like you're your mom. Oh hey Lisa blah blah blah. <laughs> no this is Sean like right b- like before you hit oh. the puberty. Well yeah, I didn't just have like that your problem. dad. If you yeah if you've ever uh, or just like early on when you're when you're a kid. Yeah. Um and yeah for the people on the other end it's pretty simple if you. You know, if you mistake it for the kid, just go. Oh, sorry, I miss her. Don't say, "Oh, I thought you were your mom okay. the entire time." Yeah, that's gonna crush you for a while. You're gonna feel bummed out about it. No one wants to be feminized like that. So now, what was the plan? Uh, what was the plan going to college?
2: Uh, I started out in business school, actually. Really? And then...
1: Now, did you have a plan? Did, was no, your idea of like... I still
2: don't know if I have a plan. <laughs> You're still kind, <laughs>
1: still kind of up in the air.
2: Yeah, I wish I could say I did have a solid plan, but I probably don't. Um, no, I went to business school for about a year and a half, and then I did uh, communications and political science, and then I went to Syracuse for film school.
1: Okay, wait, okay, sorry. So when you went originally you went to business school, where'd you go?
2: USD, University of South Dakota.
1: University of South Dakota. How long yep. did you last there?
2: There? I went there for five years.
1: Oh, you went there for five years? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you get a degree from there?
2: Yeah, two. I got a uh, mass comm and then political science. Okay, and yeah, then...
1: And then you went to Syracuse for grad school? Yep. Okay. All right. Now, when you went to Syracuse for grad school, that was when you were more interested in actually becoming a filmmaker? Or yeah. what was...
2: Well, I wanted to screen, be a screenwriter, I guess, because I'd done a show at school, like a six-episode kind of comedy show, so then I Now, went... what,
1: was the, what was the format of that?
2: Uh, six ten-minute episodes. Okay. Kind of all leading into each other, I guess. Now, like
1: a... How would you describe the – like a sketch show?
2: No, it was, like a, it was like a series, I would say. Like a, like a sitcom? No, uh, kind of like a sitcom, I guess, but it had a storyline that went throughout. Right, a serialized. Yeah. Thing. Mini-series? Yeah, kind of a mini-series, like it's a called. Mildred Pierce.
1: Okay. So then then you went over to Syracuse. You got more serious about becoming a screenwriter?
2: Yeah, I did mostly screenwriting stuff there. Okay. And then stuff. did
1: you come to Los Angeles right out of uh, Syracuse then?
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. And now what was, your, uh, what was your first job out here in Los Angeles?
2: Uh, I worked at a production company called Make It Happen Productions yeah. as an intern. Okay. It was not very good. It was kind of horrible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not very enjoyable. Any uh, intern horror stories?
2: Uh, there wasn't that many, although he always had a razor, like an electric razor I wanted to fix. So most of my time was spent around running around to different razor repair shops seeing if they could – Fix it. Um, and there's one time he went to some <laughs> restaurant in Vegas, and he, he had the chicken, uh-huh. and that had been a couple weeks after. And he asked me if I could call them to complain that the chicken was cold when he got it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this <laughs> is weeks, weeks after. Weeks after, and I'm like, well, uh, I think there's probably a statute of limitations. Probably when you, uh, you know, before you. And I eating. feel like
1: as much as uh, you know, people say complaining. You know, hey, you complain, you get free stuff. I when I complain, I don't. Maybe it's the way I complain, but just people blow it off. Yeah. I remember I was uh, I got someone was driving me home. This was years ago in the valley. It was after a performance at some bars, drunk. We went through McDonald's, got the got the fries, and they were just like ice cold. Yeah. And I called the, I. I went home. I tracked down the McDonald's phone number, called mm-hmm. him up, left a, a long voicemail. Yeah. The McDonald's uh, manager called up, and uh, you know, and I was like, "Oh, sweet! I'm going to get some free, free McDonald's gift free certificates. Flash. Worst case, I get you know, ten dollars in McDonald's gift cards." Guy just called me up, and he's like, "Yeah, stuff happens." <laughs> I was like, wait, why would you bother calling yeah. me back and and not even apologizing? The guy refused to apologize. And that's one of the reasons I hate McDonald's. Well, I kind
2: of respect that guy a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and really, McDonald's kind of has that ability. I mean, I guess that's yeah. when, when you when you hit the billion served, I think that's partly why they put out billion served is yeah. just to kind of be arrogant and say like, hey, billionaires, billions yeah. have been served.
2: Not all of them. Yeah, your happy. fries are cold. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead and don't <laughs> it's a it's a numbers
1: boycott. game. You can take your business elsewhere. We seem to be doing fine. What do you B-Cat. think? You're, you think you're more than a billion people? We got we've served a billion. We're gonna be doing just fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're not worried about you getting your friends together and boycotting McDonald's. So yeah. Go
1: ahead. Okay, so you're hanging out. You're doing the intern thing. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And what was your what was your next job? Another internship. Another internship. Nice. Yeah, Moving Patching together some internships. When do you actually start doing stand-up comedy, David?
2: Um, well, I did a little Groundlings improv, and then I did some UCB improv, and then I actually took a stand-up class, and then I started after wow. that. Wow,
1: stand-up class. Coming on record to admit to taking a stand-up class.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I did one. I don't think it did anything for me, though, because basically I would do whatever, and the teacher would be like, all right. And he wouldn't say anything to me, so it wasn't like...
1: Well, see, this is always, a, this is always a, I feel like, controversial in the comedy world of whether or not it's okay to take a stand-up comedy class. You know, everyone everyone seems to have an opinion about it. Now, it, what was your experience with taking a class?
2: Uh, I I mean, I think it's just a worthless experience. If you want to take one, that's fine, but I don't think you're going to get much out of it. Cause, yeah, it I mean, sounds
0: just like an open mic if the yeah, teacher doesn't even give you feedback. I
2: just, I had no idea what... To do really As far as stand-up comedy So I just took a class But it right. uh, had I Could I go back I'd just started Doing open mics and- Right And this yeah. is Money. after
0: two Improv classes
2: right Yeah So you're, yeah, I
0: mean, you're if... just like Oh comedy A new form I gotta take this as a class
1: Yeah No yeah kind of. I mean I, I took a stand-up comedy class I remember taking it And then yeah I mean basically It's In a sense It's a good way To break the ice In that it gets you Writing Like I read class every week So you had to write new stuff yeah. You had to kind of practice it to me, it was like a a nice way to start a habit of doing stand up comedy. I mean, you can't yeah, just do it on your own and do open mics and probably learn the same stuff. But it's know, a good, what, maybe a good start for some people. That are yeah, hesitant. whatever. If you're used to going to a class, it's a couple hundred bucks. It's nothing that yeah. crazy.
2: But yeah, I would I would rec- recommend not.
1: If yeah, I don't think recommend. I don't think it's kind of a make or break thing of like, no. oh, you got to take a stand-up comedy class <laughs> or whatever you do, don't take a stand-up comedy class, whatever you want. I do remember like there was like a big auditorium and at one point they were just like, "Hey, throw out some throw out some jokes or something." And I remember I made some joke about um oh, oh, what was the one? It was like uh you know, uh I, I you know, being from Philadelphia or something. I was like, I oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> You know, oh hey, I was hanging out with this girl. We had sex, and uh, you know, but uh, or we involve food in bed. But apparently, a cheesesteak isn't sexy. And uh, <laughs> I still think it's a solid joke. But they're like, no, sorry, I don't believe that. You're uh, already bored of having sex at this age.
2: Yeah, I think the one <laughs> one downside to stand up classes is that the input that they give is more like try to be kind of base, running the like, middle of the road, running the middle of comedy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're, well they, they want to support, they want like, to kind of uh, you know, give you a formula of like, hey, this is uh This is what I hate, this is yeah, what I love. Exactly. And they're kind of basing it off of, you know, their their experiences. But really, yeah. it's tough to give anyone advice on stand-up comedy cuz basically all you're doing is telling them what worked for you. Right. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, hey, you should just go up on stage and be really honest and kind of rant and rave. Yeah, this is how it's Carlin like, did it. Did yeah, exactly. How Carlin did Yeah, this, yeah. this, this worked for Richard Pryor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So now what what do you think kind of got your overall interest in comedy? Were you, what uh, what were your parents like?
2: Um, They're fine. Uh, they both liked comedies a lot. I mean, I watched – I remember growing up watching a lot of comedies with my dad. Um, My mom really liked Bill Murray a lot, so I was – Watch a lot of Bill Murray films, Naked Guns, Blazing Saddles. So I watched a lot of, I just kind of grew up watching got, comedy. I just kind I of guess. got
1: sucked into comedy from yeah. an early age. Yeah. My, I feel like my family, we didn't watch a ton of movies, period. Like my dad has seen three movies, and they're all just like Monty Python movies and Three yeah. Stooges movies. <laughs> like they, we started watching movies more like later on as a family. But like growing up, we would never go to the movies. It was just like, yeah. uh, who, who wants to go watch a movie? It's, it was just like – it was a weird yeah. thing.
2: No, we didn't go to that many, but I remember like on, if we were on some vacation somewhere, we might check one out. Because uh, I remember going to uh, Groundhog's Day in Omaha, and then uh, what about Bob in Billings, Montana? Yeah. yeah, Celtic Pride I went to on my birthday. Really? I remember I remember I
1: went to a uh I remember I went to a birthday party and we saw Turner and Hooch. And uh and then like I, I cried at the birthday party when Hooch died. <laughs> it was like, you know, you're like 11 or 12 years old and you're trying to hide your tears cuz you don't want them to know how attached you got to Hooch. Yeah. Um Now uh so what do you kind of where did you develop you kind of have a unique style where you do a lot of uh how would, you, how would you describe your style of, uh, of stand-up comedy?
2: Um, I don't know. I guess I tell stories probably kind of absurd, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, absurdist. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you kind of – it's almost like a character. Uh, you, I guess you would describe it as a character. I mean your voice is the same and it's you kind of going off on stuff or – yeah, like you said, yeah. kind of absurdist stories. Now, where did you come up with that? Um, uh,
2: my dad. I guess he told a lot of stories where he would just basically take, like, one thing that happened to him and then just lie about everything else. Right. So the story <laughs> would be true, but everything else would kind of be lies to now, make it Now, how old were you
1: when you started realizing what he was saying was a lie?
2: Probably when he told me that Dan Marino was his janitor in high school. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs>
0: now, what's the truth part of that?
2: Uh, He had a janitor in high school (laughs) Who may or may not have been Dan Yeah, I remember my friend was over And he was telling him, like, yeah, Dan Marino's my janitor Michael Jordan was my chef And uh, uh, my friend went home and he told his parents that And they're like, you know, he's lying
1: (laughs) They're probably like, you're never going over the Van Heisen family ever again Those people are maniacs I have no idea what they're doing
2: Yeah, maybe
1: Um, So, alright You want to, uh Let's hit some news up. Have you been following uh... – now, uh, you are you familiar with the Coney thing? We were talking about this on the show a couple weeks I've ago. I've seen
2: a few things about it. I really don't know that much. I know there was a video and then everybody wanted to get Coney, right? Yep. Right. And then it the, came out that the video might not have been that truthful. Yep, and then there's a naked rampage.
1: Yep. Well, yeah. that's uh, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> and this then is, I'm not uh, really sure where it's gone. All from right, there. here's a little bit of. This is one of the guys who directed the Coney video. He's getting into a little bit of trouble. This is the news reporting on it, and then also some also some of the police tape uh, or the police audio tape from uh, the incident which just happened.
2: Breaking news tonight on one of the filmmakers behind Coney 2012. That's the viral video about Ugandan warlord Joseph Coney. Well, the man behind it has been picked up by police and taken to the hospital today. An official familiar with the case confirms that Jason Russell, who you see there, just on CNN last week, was found in his underwear running through the streets of San Diego yesterday.
1: Twenty-one, done. One twenty-three. John Effect. I'm you for that. Four fifteen. If you could start for a three fourteen. Came in a check the welfare. Ingram and Riviera as a hazard. It's going to be a white male in his late twenties. Was running around with his underwear only. Now. Has no underwear and is masturbating and screaming at
0: passerbyers. In front of the 314, have a, several RPs calling in on him.
1: He is now going to be banging his head on the ground. He's screaming incoherently. He's going to be a white male in his 20s wearing no clothing. He's going to be surrounded by a group of people. It'll be the northwest corner. People are trying to calm him down.
0: That now, operator's good at her job. Yeah, this is real. Stoneface. One of the
1: most hilarious parts is they have a code for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 314 in progress. Oh, is that like a, a naked viral video director is losing his mind? <laughs>
2: is that uh, the same video that was on YouTube?
1: Yeah, is that yeah, a fake yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was okay. the um, yeah, it was a 30 he was minute just, one, right? No, are you. No, he was talking about the rampage video, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just oh, the uh, they took the police audio tape and just synced it up with him. Yeah, they show him pretty much naked. I don't know. I think yeah. they blur it out a little bit. It was on TMZ, okay. and he's just there banging his head against the wall. So yeah, I, I think this takes away some of the credibility from the Coney uh, video. I, I would think. I mean, I, I was kind of going off on the whole Coney thing because, you know, they present themselves first off Coney has been marginalized for like years. The you know, the Congo isn't even like that anymore. Or mm-hmm. I mean it's not
0: He's not a he's big not, part of it anymore. he's
1: not a problem anymore. He's kind of been marginalized. You look at like what they take in versus what they actually spend. Like, you know, only like thirty percent of the money that they get as a charity is actually used on, you know, charitable, charitable. things. So they're – I mean in my mind it's kind of a scam and it's it's good to see that they seem just like kind of like film school douchebags who kind of were like hey we go over there like they're just like the whitest kind of tooliest people who are just like hey we pose next to these uh these black guys who are like war torn and then we like make videos about it and then yeah and then we well, the- just get uh activism going right. we're going to we're going to tweet Rihanna and that'll get things going yeah
0: well, he uses dirty emotional tricks. I feel like he shows his son being born, and then he shows him showing his like th- four or five year old son, like telling him all about this horrible yeah. warlord yeah, he's and like, like prostitutes and stuff. He's, and-
1: yeah, he's just like he shows a picture of the guy that they were friends with. He's uh-huh. like, "What's this guy's name?" He's like, "He's Joseph." And you know what they do to Joseph? They torture him, and they take, they make babies fight wars with machine, <laughs> machine <laughs> guns. Do you think <laughs> we should? Kid? Do you think we should capture this guy? And the kid's like, "Yeah." <laughs> Like, what reaction
0: saying. is the audience supposed to have to that? Because I was just like – No, let him do his thing.
1: No, I mean it's just the – it's <laughs> the most hilarious emotional pandering uh-huh. of just like <laughs> – have you seen the whole thing? I haven't. haven't it's it just really it, like – it's just the sappiest like tug at the heartstrings yeah. of, hey, we're going to show all these horrific things. And I don't know. Maybe I've just kind of become just so turned off emotionally. I can just see stuff. I'm like, eh, next, fast forward. Like, yeah. this does not bother me at all. I mean, I felt bad for these people, but right. I kind of also realized what's going on, and I think also just from being in kind of the film world for so long, or just you know, yeah. not I'm not a working film actor, but the, someday, yeah, exactly. You've seen <laughs> the
0: editing process, you've done a few voiceovers, you know, right. you can recognize when a guy's just over, you know, laying it on so thick,
1: or yeah. not even so much from a production sense. There's definitely that there, but just like you know. These L.A. douchebags. You know a guy who's, like, just got some really pretty hair, went to USC. He's from Orange County. Really yeah.
0: self-righteous.
1: Yeah, a lot of white guilt, a lot of just trying to <laughs> lay it on people. Like, we did so much wrong stuff, and we're, we're trying to help people, man. Right. And all we got to do is get this to go viral. And then, meanwhile, the only thing Probably going right. viral is this guy's, like, brain chemistry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, I mean, what this is, like, not surprising at all. And when I was, like, posting about it, complaining, people were like, well, you know, um, I didn't know about this war criminal before, and now I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, what does that change? Did you think, like, Africa was a totally awesome place before, and this blew your mind? <laughs> are you actually going to go over there and fight these Ugandan uh, rebels or the anti-Ugandan rebels? Meanwhile, the people that took over after Kony or the people trying to kill Kony are not great people themselves right. and have been... You know, uh, accused of like the same war same crimes things. that Coney has. Not that Coney's a great guy. As it turns out, Africa's pretty fucked up regardless. You know, when you yeah. don't have like a great economy and just this kind of a lot of crazy uncivilized parts, shit's going to get fucked up. I don't know what they want me to do about it. I don't think
2: well, – One man army.
1: Yeah, change Exactly, it. that's a problem. I'm not aware that you that Africa's screwed up enough. That's why bad things are happening in Africa. No, they, bad things are happening in Africa because the people in charge of Africa, or the there is no one really in charge, and uh-huh. people are just you know sorting out, going through these crazy power struggles. That's the right. problem. And it's just the same way of like I didn't change my um, Twitter color to a different thing when people in. Iran were, you know, Uh coming up with a revolution. Not because –
2: I didn't know that was a thing.
1: Yeah, it was like a a big thing of like, hey, change your Twitter avatar to green so that you show that you support the Iranian – I mean I don't know these Iranian people that are fighting for democracy. Sure, that sounds good. But A, I realize I'm not an influencer on Iranian policymakers. (laughs) I'm not – you know, when they see my profile.
0: Ahmadinejad isn't going to see your profile green and be like, holy
2: shit. Snoop Dogg retweeted are... Sean Green. Let's start yes, treating exactly. women right.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. My profile already is green, all right? I know how to brand myself. Secondly. Smart.
2: That's smart. Yeah. Ahmadinejad isn't going to look at it
1: and be like, oh, the tide's turned. Sean Green's on board. Time to seed power. Like I have some – it's almost like an ego thing of thinking that <laughs> – I know this sounds awful, but th- there's an ego thing of thinking you can make a difference. You can't mm-hmm. make a difference. You can make a difference in a small, in a small micro sense. You can be a nicer guy, and you can be like the cool guy at the YMCA, and you know, kind of put out a yeah. positive vibe. Oh, hey, there's Sean. He always cleans out his locker. Very friendly around like racquetball. State ball. Farm commercial. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's a similar thing that happened after 9/11 when everyone was flying uh, American flags like on their cars and stuff. Like some people were joining the military. Some people were really helping out, giving blood. But most people were just, you know...
2: Worrying about gas prices? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Logan, that, that's just good old patriotism. I mean, that's... <laughs> that should
2: know. be every day.
1: Exactly. This, this flag in my room flies high every day, all right? Yeah. It's never at half mass. Maybe if someone really cool got assassinated, i have to put it at half mass for a little bit. I think maybe when Barack Obama's bracket gets screwed up, I'll put it at half mass for a little bit.
2: How's how's his bracket do?
1: His uh, college basketball bracket was doing pretty well for a while, but I think this recent upset of Michigan State, you know, the president, he's political. He goes mostly chalk, throws in a couple upsets. Right. So it's been a fairly chalk year, except for the.
2: Probably had Ohio going far.
1: Yes. I think he had Ohio. Well, actually, I don't know. Yeah, he should have just picked Ohio. Ohio Florida, teams, all the way. basically all the swing states, <laughs> yeah. just just yeah. have them going on a run. I was thinking like that's got to be difficult for the president trying to push, yeah, you because know, he fills out a woman's bracket as well to be politically correct. But there's no way he has. Well, he, has, he doesn't have to. He doesn't even have to do it, right? No, but <laughs> yeah. he knows. He knows. Like sports fans, we think he's cool and. Yeah. Uh, so, but then once he fills out the men's bracket, then obviously he's got to fill out the women's bracket. Right. And that's got to be tough. Filling out a women's bracket, he has no idea. It's, I'm sure it got busted pretty he's early. He's going to
2: win Connecticut, and he's going <laughs> to lose Tennessee almost exactly. no matter what happens. And those,
1: Tennessee and Connecticut are the two powerhouses. Well,
2: Baylor's good this year, but he's also probably going to lose right. Texas. Gonna, yeah,
1: Texas, he's, he's, not, he's no luck with uh, Texas. Speaking of uh, getting a little political here, we have um, – it seems like it seems like Mitt Romney is kind of the uh, the GOP favorite. Now I don't know if you heard this, but this was Mitt Romney's aide recently, who uh, you know now the rest of the Republican candidates who are kind of hanging on by a thread, hanging on by a thread, are really seizing, um, kind of trying to take advantage of this opportunity. At this, uh, his aide said this on TV. This has got to be. And there's some music in the background because the only audio I could find was already in a political attack ad. So. Is this the Eminem? <laughs> no, this oh, is. He, oh. But he has a lot of gaffes, okay. I guess Mitt Romney's kind of becoming known for that. Which who know? I mean, not that I'm like a huge Mitt Romney fan, but God knows what these presidents said like before social media. Before they're probably saying crazy crap all the time. And yeah, and like we can't write what teddy roosevelt just said like yeah <laughs> probably most of the stuff that was really well written who knows abe lincoln could have just gone up and just been like yo shit's totally fucked up and, and then, <laughs> the, some journalist was just like you know four score and lincoln, seven years ago just got a better ring to it lincoln was said to have a pretty high voice oh really yeah so that would so yeah now in just, this in this uh, digital modern age it could just been like oh abe lincoln talks like a chick can't vote for him and who knows what
2: Grover Cleveland was doing back then? <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. All right, so here's a little. Here's Mitt Romney's aide uh, on TV giving an interview. Now, former aide.
0: Is there a concern that the pressure from Santorum and Gingrich might force the governor
2: to tack so far to the right it would hurt him with moderate voters? Well, I think he hit a reset button uh, for the fall campaign. Everything changes. It's almost like an etch-a-sketch. You can kind of shake it up, and we start all over again.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Does not sound like a guy who's set on his issues. And then smash cut to Newt Gingrich holding up an Etch-a-Sketch, um, Santorum holding up an Etch-a-Sketch. etch sketch has just got to be loving all yeah. this free publicity. Like- That's probably like the th- three Etch-a-Sketches they've sold this year. Yeah, <laughs> probably lots of them flying off the shelves exactly people are getting hot over these etch-a-sketches i mean you have to realize the idea that well i I mean etch-a-sketch is a tough sell even at my age when i was growing up as a kid it was like etch-a-sketch was like borderline kind of bullshit you're just like "Mm, all right well they're
2: hard yeah that's the thing about them they're too hard
1: yeah a little difficult and now i think with the digital uh who's gonna who's gonna look at an etch-a-sketch when you have a cell phone yeah, you can get an Etch a Sketch
2: on your cell phone. I bet. You,
1: I'm sure there's an Etch a Sketch app on the cell phone, and if, if there isn't, we should invent one. I, uh, oh man, speaking of Texas, uh, South by Southwest was recently, uh, one o two seven in Austin. Check those guys out. Twenty four seven comedy affiliate. They were uh, covering South by Southwest. Now this was one of the, uh, one of the stories coming out of uh, Austin. Kind of controversial. They were uh, offering, uh, well, here, I, th- I think they kind of covered it in the story, but uh, let's see if you see why uh, people are up in arms.
2: Hot spot! You can tell Mark's a popular person. Need to get online? I'm your god. Everyone's gathering around him as he satisfies their need for speed, internet bandwidth. Fast, 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 4G! But when Mark's day is done, he has no home to go to. <laughs>
0: company downsized
2: it, uh, that I was working for, I found myself not being able to pay rent. Or, or find work, or have an income. He says, for him, becoming a homeless hotspot was the chance of a lifetime.
1: This might be a, a life, life-changing experience for me.
2: Visitors to the South by Southwest music and film festivals follow directions on Mark's shirt to get online. In return, they tip him. Two dollars is recommended for 15 minutes of airtime.
1: Whatever you donate, it goes to me. Cheney said, "And people—that's <laughs> the way it should be." All right, and people are super upset. Like you're using uh, these homeless people as satellite transmission towers, which is essentially what they were doing. But does this not sound like a good job if you're a homeless dude? He sounded pretty jacked about it. Yes, and everyone—and they immediately pulled the whole campaign. They took it down because people were up in arms. Here's the thing: it, it's a—it's a pretty simple premise. These are the same people that are like. Oh, hey, uh, gay marriage isn't harming anyone. If just two people want to get together and be involved in something, why should the government or anyone else say they can't do that? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the same thing applies to homeless guys working in unique job situations. If he feels like this is a good job, and yeah, then why not let him do this job? Were they paying it's, him anything for it? Yeah, yeah I guess whatever – I think for them it was a publicity stunt gone horribly wrong, but basically whatever they were, you would sign on and it would give a screen like tip the guy two bucks and whatever whatever you gave him, you could even tip him more and that would just go directly to him. I don't even think they were taking a cut of the money they were getting for Uh him being a mobile hotspot. But
2: they call it, the company called
1: it Homeless Hotspots? I think maybe. That's, I think that's, that's, that's right that. Now, <laughs> but that's just great alliteration, right? <laughs> well, yeah.
2: I mean, I love alliteration. Love it a lot, but...
1: It's a nice device. It, got be, it ain't got us talking about it, right? But
2: somebody along the line has to say, maybe just call them Hotspots. Maybe float <laughs> under the radar <laughs> with this thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Drifter Hotspots. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Hobo Hotspots. Really hot really like, hot that's got a nice ring to it, but still, probably... S- yeah, somebody's going to have a
2: problem with homeless hotspots. <laughs> yeah,
1: working poor hotspots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could there's, – there's probably some ways around it. But, yeah, that idea of uh, – it's just – come on, man. With all with all these people out of work, why not uh, – I don't know. It just sounds fun, man. He well, doesn't he have saw- that many
0: qualifications, but he knows how to loiter. Why he sounded, yeah.
1: like, he was, he sounded <laughs> like he was loving it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he, said, he, he, th- he was very optimistic. He thought this could be a life-changing thing. And who am I – you know. Did God. they interview him when they shut it down? That'd be nice. <laughs> we just we just unplugged the homeless guy, guys. Sorry, <laughs> I'm powering down
0: <laughs>
1: as the homeless man powers down for the evening. <laughs> Was there like maybe he froze at some point? Someone had to unplug him, replug yeah. him in. No. Yes. I I get why that's why that's offensive. Oh man. So you got some uh you got a comedy show coming up, right? Stampede? Yeah, we got a Stampede tomorrow. Well, tomorrow it's actually it'll be posted this episode will be posted on a Friday. So it's really tonight, David.
2: Oh, tonight.
1: Yep. Tonight. Imp- stampede? Lab. Yep. With I pen. think uh one of the most fun shows in town. You want to explain it?
2: Uh me, uh Colin McCormick, who's one of my friends, and Dan Gill, who's an- another one of my friends. We put on a western themed show. And we all play cowboy characters, open it up with a little sketch. And I know that might sound not that great, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty fun. And then we have some – or usually pretty good comics on. uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have a good time. That's the most realistic – Sounds like a blast. (laughs) That's the most realistic sell to a show I've ever heard. Four usually pretty good comics. Oh, LA's
2: hey. best. We always have LA's best. Yeah.
1: Well, normally people <laughs> get on and say like, "Oh, these four dudes who are hilarious." Start so listen off TV credits. You're just a pragmatic, honest fella. It's a, you're like four usually pretty good. They're usually. I mean, <laughs> sometimes we get some stinkers in there. Whatever. I mean, you Got- might even
2: have a good guy miss one night. Yeah. You never know.
1: Yeah. It's, you, they're usually pretty good. So yeah. they they have high batting average. Sometimes they don't hit it out of the park, but. They they usually have track records that the reason we're booking them. Yeah, for sure. I think I think honestly, what sells the entire theme is the hay barrels, or the yeah. and and I'm we'll not, have
2: eight. For those of you wondering how many hay bales we'll have. Now I don't mean tonight. to
1: I don't mean to demean the show at all, but there is something to when you go to the show and you watch it and you see actual hay barrels on stage. There's a moment where now maybe this is just as a fellow performer or a guy who's produced comedy shows just looking at the hay barrels going. Now that's that's some work, all right. They're getting hay barrels in and out. Yeah, I'm sure the venue bitches if you leave. Wait, are you hay saying
0: hay bales? A... What's a hay barrel?
1: Oh yeah, sorry, hey, hay bale. Yeah, <laughs> not a. Uh, I'm not a country boy like you two guys. Yeah, no, yeah. but the like when you see the hay bales, you're like, wow, that was some work that yeah. went down.
2: I've got three in my truck right now.
1: Now is that yes. has it kind of become a burden? Because in my yes. life, I feel like looking at those hay bales. Uh, that would become the bane of my existence.
2: That might be one of the bigger burdens of the show. Uh, for uh, <laughs> a, lot for... Of, a lot of sh-
1: a lot of arguments about who has to watch well, the hay bales. I have to because
2: I'm the one with the truck, so I
1: have to watch the hay
2: bales. So, uh, but we for a while we could have set them behind the lab, but then the improv said they're fire hazards. Improv lab. So then we had to go. <laughs> no, wait. The That's hay bales. Funny. <laughs> hay bales are
1: fire hazards. So then we
2: had to take them out. And now there's like five uh, no, where I, I mean... park, and then I have three in my truck.
1: No, I, I love I love the improv, but let's be honest. If the improv's going up in flames, I don't think a couple hay bales next to it, I guess maybe they're dry, and if someone throws it...
2: Well, the thing... Well, I don't know if I should say this, but the... Uh,
1: let I don't can. think
2: that the improv really cares too much about the lab, which exactly. we do it in. So I would almost think the they'd be happy if the lab burned down. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they It would be an insurance... Hey, I'm sure uh, someone would be getting a check, right?
2: Yeah, somebody. I mean... I, I don't know. The improv doesn't seem like they want it there. Is
1: it <laughs> they, they do seem annoyed by they throw the nothing
2: at it. They won't promote any I don't the know. The improv
1: but, lab is the side room to the actual Hollywood yeah. improv. And it's like the redheaded stepchild. They don't have a liquor license. Right. But there are some good shows that go on there. Yeah, there's a, and I, I have enjoyed myself there, I've performed there, and it is it is a good time, but you get the feeling that okay there's a distinction of like this is not officially the improv. It's it's a yeah. weird demarcation they draw somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And just in general, it's an L.A. thing. But when you say something's a lab, immediately to me that's a negative connotation. Yeah, that's not yeah,
2: – oh, those guys are still trying to get it. To yeah, exactly. not. The light bulb hasn't been created. Right. Yet,
1: no, I've car. performed in way too many places called labs, annexes, side rooms. Right. Just call it improv room, improv B or – you know,
2: the alt room, I don't know exactly.
1: Care. alternative improv, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just give it a different name besides lab, annex. those are negative connotations. It means just like, oh, they kind of threw this thing on at the end. Yeah, but um, speaking of uh, performing in uh, non-traditional places, I did this to my own horn a little bit. okay. It's a podcast. I'm you know, hey, I'm the host. <laughs> I can do it. I, um, I did this show Setlist, which is a really funny sh- uh, fun show. My buddy from uh, back in the day, Troy Conrad, as well as uh, Paul Provenza. Um, You might know him from uh, some stuff on TV. Anyway, Troy came up with the idea, and then Paul kind of came on to help produce it. Basically, the idea is called Set List. You go up there. There's a complete list of like ten completely random things, Uh, and – you know it would it and it's just sometimes weird topics kind of a weird phrase whatever and you just basically have to go up and do your entire stand up 10 minutes of stand up on that specific thing so there'll be things like uh ethnic cleaning versus ethnic cleansing and mm-hmm. it'll just be that vague and you have to pretend like that's actually your stand up bit so i went up i uh you know i did my thing had a good set like i i, I really enjoy doing it cuz i i like riffing right. and doing that kind of stuff fun time and then I go sit in the crowd I'm like you know kind of jacked up feeling good just riding my own wave and out of nowhere Roseanne comes up and she was like oh my god that was really funny I was like hell yeah it was and then, uh, and I was just like it was and it was weird because I went in to give Roseanne a handshake because uh-huh. usually when someone comes up and goes hey nice to meet you you're really funny you go in for the handshake right. uh, she blew it off she had gloves on and then it turns out that she um, you know she talked on her thing that she's or in her bit that she's kind of, like, freaked out by germs. Whatever. So I didn't take it personally. Seemed like a totally nice gal. Then hit her up on Twitter. I was like, hey, nice meeting you, blah, blah, blah. And then Uh she wrote back, like... Oh my God, you were so funny and so deep. And I was like, Whoa. "Wow, deep!" I'd never gotten that before. So <laughs> oh, love
0: connection, wow. exactly.
1: Pretty, pretty stoked about <laughs> pretty me and sweet. Roseanne. Maybe yeah. there's, cool. maybe there's some sparks flying. But uh, yeah, you know, hey, that'd be great. That'd be a great, story. Roseanne, oh, If
0: you're out there, come on the show.
1: I've done much worse for my career than uh, you know, hook up with Roseanne. I feel like that's a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> seems <laughs> you like can't it, lose. Seems like it. You seem- could be on Big Brother. What are they on now? Fourteen. Exactly. Yeah, could be could be much worse. Hey, hey, it looked it worked for Tom Arnold. Right? She, yeah, she looks good for her age. Any he, uh, you know, sixty years old. Hey, this, wisdom. Can't... The story's great. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, right. Make maybe make one movie together. <laughs> exactly. Have a nice run. Eventually, she'll try and freak out. Maybe stab me over some weird, some weird argument, and I'll probably have it coming. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she seems to be. <laughs> she's got this whole thing going where she's. She lives in Hawaii. She's got a uh, macadamia nut farm. Now she's running for president. And uh, she's very like all about kind of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and pro 99 percenters, kind of like overthrowing Wall Street, very, very active on Twitter, like just getting into it, like retweeting anonymous hacker group uh-huh. posts. And uh, she's a trip, man. But uh, seemed like a cool chick in yeah, man. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you have a little celeb sighting. Yeah, that was fun. Sounds fun. Yeah, good time. Have you ever had uh, any kind of a uh, celebrity sightings? Well,
2: I'm a, I work at a, at a movie studio as a tour guide right now. So okay, that's like kind of... breathing to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was
1: that, that was that, I love how hilariously uh, arrogant that was. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, Which any studio? kind of any kind so. of uh, any kind of run-ins with the celebs?
2: I haven't had any. Negative run-ins. Um, well, back to Andy Dick. He hit on one of my friends one time, and then he got kicked out of a bar. But that's, that's he, what not, did
1: he do to one of your friends? Uh,
2: I don't really know. I was just kind of doing playing darts or something, and then he's like, "Yeah, Andy Dick just hit on me, and now he's getting kicked out." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> too bad for you."
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was it a, was it a guy? Yeah, it was a guy. Yeah, a guy. I've heard that's his thing is to try to turn straight guys. Like so, um, this one guy was telling me a story that. Andy Dick pulled up and was like, "Hey, you guys want to hang out and smoke weed in my car?" And this guy is like a totally like naive dude. So yeah. him and his friend got into the car, were hanging out and smoking weed. And then I guess Andy Dick took him back to his place, and and you know allegedly yeah. according to this guy tried to hook up with him or whatever and mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like if it, if any random dude came up to me and said like hey you want to come back and get high at my place that's probably a guy who's trying to hook up with me right. i've never gotten that uh, gay guys aren't aren't into my style or whatever whatever i'm putting out but um i mean
2: clean up a little bit they might be. <laughs>
1: I'm just – I can't help it, David. I'm a, I'm a masculine guy. Put on my
2: shirt every once in a while. I, think I am Jumbo's Clown Room I, shirt. You're wearing I, am, now.
1: I am wearing my Jumbo's Clown Room T-shirt, which – now, this is a story in and of itself of how I got this T-shirt. You think, well, wow, it's kind of pervy. A guy buys a strip club T-shirt. First off, it's not a strip club. It's a burlesque club. They right. don't get completely naked. Secondly, I went there uh, for this girl that I was seeing, her birthday party. So I went there and I was like, eh, whatever. This is kind of lame. So I go. I, uh, <clears throat> I didn't have cash because I'm, I, you know, perpetually broke. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, gave the guy my ID and credit card. Or no, sorry, not the guy. It was a chick. And, uh, you know, order Bud light. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it, comes, it comes into play later in the story. The, the bartender that was working. Then, you know, go to order my second drink. And she goes, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, you, I don't have a tab for that. I'm like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, there's no tab here. I was like, no, I just set up my tab with you. <laughs> She's like, I can't find it. I'm sorry. I was like, what do you mean you can't find it? <laughs> so that means you just gave someone my ID, my driver's license, and my credit card. Yes. And I had to catch a flight the next day. So I'm like freaking out. Yeah. And she goes, don't worry this, or She's like, I'm sorry, this never happens I was like, that doesn't make me feel better That just makes me more angry that this had to <laughs> happen to me Like this once in a, in a lifetime rare event just happens to me then she starts crying at some point. I'm like, no, stop crying. You know, We start yelling at the person to stop crying. She keeps crying. Then she's like, all right, I'll pay for your drinks. I was like, well, yeah, of course you're going to pay for my drinks. You gave some random dude my credit card. And then she gave me a free T-shirt. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Start to feel a little bit better about it. And then luckily the guy just randomly, out of the kindness in his heart, turned in my debit card, M-I-D, to a bank. And uh, to Bank of America, which I have my bank at, uh-huh. so I was able to. was well, able to crazy. get a driver's license and credit card back, but uh, free drinks, t-shirt. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it worked out in the end, but it was yeah. just that scariness and just her overall attitude of, oh hey, you know this doesn't happen. Why are you getting upset? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, she was, like, apologizing, but it was one of those things where it's, like, not really an apology. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yep. it's like, what do you want from me? I gave someone else your ID. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want like, me to be uh... excited about that? No, I'm not going to be excited about that. Well, I was pretty excited. I don't know about you, but uh, when those uh, nude pictures came out of Mila Kunis, did you see that? I don't know anything about that. It came, came out that. a while ago. Um, I sound real uninformed. This it's whole all right. Podcast. It's all right it's just a way for me to uh it's just a way for me to bring up topics okay me asking if you've heard about it to kind of give you a you know a point to start off of it's unimportant really, <clears throat> basically anyway, the hacker was sentenced, but I was like kind of looking for audio about him getting sentenced or whatever first off, the idea like if I was him or the lawyer, i'd be like, take this to trial. We get twelve guys in a jury box right come on, you're getting a lot of leeway like if you know, If people in South LA voted to get OJ off, uh, voted not guilty, I feel like you can get 12 pervy dudes to give you a pass on getting these uh, mm-hmm. naked chicks photos out there. But anyway, this was like earlier on in the case and uh, they're talking about this guy being sentenced. And I just – I thought it was pretty hilarious how, how specific the sentencing was or basically what they actually – basically what he was – his sentence was before he was taken to trial.
0: Cheney says he began celebrity hacking out of curiosity, and it quickly became addictive. A judge has ordered him to appear in a Los Angeles courtroom November
1: 1st. He is free on $10,000 bail and must live with his parents until the case is resolved. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That somehow was just like... I have a feeling that might have been happening before that. The the 40-year-old hacker who was breaking into Chick's phones to get the nude pictures. I, I have a feeling that forcing him to live at his parents' house, not necessarily the punishment. Yeah,
2: she probably should have said he has to continue living with his parents. But if he wasn't living with his parents and now he has to, that's a movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is like this yeah. is a
1: sitcom, <laughs> yeah. and the mom has to keep coming down. What are you doing on that computer? Nothing, mom. Relax. Respect my privacy, mom.
2: <laughs> and oh. what?
1: What better to? What better people to monitor a hacker than two? To like an, a a couple in their like early six. This guy's like forty years old. So uh-huh. the the parents have to be like sixty five, seventy. <laughs> like they're yeah. gonna keep eye on eye on their forty year old <laughs> hacker son. Well, hey, I was uh, <laughs> I was going through your Google uh, traffic, son. <laughs> I installed a firewall that will protect you from going out there. And we getting... talked about not going on those websites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, let's see. What do we want to get to here? <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, I feel like we got to touch on uh, Trayvon Martin. That was <laughs> – You're smiling because <laughs> – you're completely close with the story. I saw
2: his name a few times on Twitter. I just, yeah, I didn't look into Trayvon it. Trayvon
1: Martin was a uh, African American gentleman in Florida. He was wearing a hoodie. He was just walking around the neighborhood, I guess. And this um, this guy, whose neighborhood watch guy, had a gun, claimed that Trayvon was coming at him and fired in self defense. Meanwhile, there's like a 911 call of Trayvon mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, this guy is following me and." Uh, you know, so Trayvon thought this guy was following him. Anyway, meanwhile Trayvon was completely unarmed, uh-huh. and it essentially it comes down to this dude probably just murdered him. I mean, it, the, he should be charged with murder; hasn't right. been charged yet. Causing a lot of outrage in Florida, they're they're uh, they just voted no confidence in the local police chief. They're overthrowing him.
2: Uh-huh. How long is it?
1: Now this was like in February, or okay. like this has been like six, seven weeks, and nothing has happened. And then all of a sudden, I don't know. I don't know what has caused the recent media outrage, but just basically this guy has not been charged yet. So it seems like the DA is dragging their feet for whatever reason. I guess in Florida there's some weird self-defense laws where you don't have to say retreat if you feel threatened and if you're – I don't know, in acting in self-defense, which that guy claims he was, Uh whatever. It
0: it happened on like the sidewalk and supposedly he was allowed to be on the sidewalk and feel safe and – like yeah, it's all I this mean, weird it argument. sounds
1: like he was just a paranoid dude who yeah. saw a black kid in a hoodie and decided to kill him, yeah. which is pretty screwed up. I did, <laughs> no, I I made a, I cracked a joke uh, on Twitter. Um, there's a, a there's a, a player for Michigan State, Trey Mon,
2: oh. and
1: I I was making a joke that, um, you know, the Michigan State's not going to be able to win without Trayvon. You know, kind of. The joke being confusing the two, no one no one got the reference. Had to explain the joke to a few people. Yeah. And That's the worst when you have to explain the joke,
0: and then <laughs> and it involves someone who just died, and right? And like, it's oh. it's
1: kind of in poor taste, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. just a simple name joke. So you could probably go. It probably goes under the radar. But uh, then when you have to explain it, like wait, so you're trying to make fun of the kid? <laughs> no, no, no. Just I was just doing a little name joke because their names similar, yeah. and then. Of course, Michigan State loses. I had them in my bracket, so maybe karmically I was getting punished. Yeah, but it's all about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the real victim in the yeah. Trayvon shooting. Yeah, what happened? Yes. Yeah, see, now I'm glad you see that, Dave. Yeah. That because Trayvon was shot, I had to crack wise about it, comparing to Michigan State. My bracket, my bracket's busted, along with the hopes and dreams of uh, Trayvon's parents. Real tragedy. Yeah. Um. But you know, things, you know things have gone terribly wrong when uh, Samuel Jackson decides to step up to the plate. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy. Blame your mother. Blame society. Blame your father. Blame the gun. Blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Powerful. Yeah, he wrote
0: some poetry for this, huh?
1: That's when you know you're screwed. When Samuel L. Jackson reads about this and is like, yo, break out the camera. I'm going after this guy. I'm drawing the line in the sand. Now, he didn't specifically say he was talking about Trayvon Martin's shooting – could be some crazy reference to Michigan State's loss. I don't know. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to come off insensitive. Maybe he's directly addressing my bracket. I don't know, Dave. He works in mysterious ways, Samuel L. Jackson. That's his March Madness poem. All right, last thing to touch on. I don't have any audio to support it, but Tim Tebow, to yeah. the Jets, what are your thoughts? You're a big football fan, right? Uh,
2: I don't understand. I don't understand why the Jets got him. What do they need him for?
1: Yeah. No, it seems crazy because they just signed Mark Sanchez. You just extended Mark Sanchez's contract, kind of giving Mark Sanchez this vote of faith. Then you try to go after Peyton Manning, and yeah. he's probably like, okay, it's Peyton Manning, I understand. But when you trade for Tim Tebow, it seems crazy because the whole thing is, uh, I guess maybe the Jets are a low-character team, and you get Tim Tebow there that turns around the locker room. You back fullback. Yeah, but it's like... All you're going to do is get in Mark Sanchez's head. He's had confidence problems to begin with. And – if you're not going to start Tim Tebow, why trade for Tim Tebow? That's what he's good at is just starting and grinding out these victories.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have done it. I don't know how him and San Antonio Holmes are going to be getting along.
1: <laughs> they don't seem <laughs> like uh, – yeah, Santonio Holmes uh, doesn't seem like – Or he, Rex Ryan. and He seems to live a different like, lifestyle. than. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean you got – basically you have a guy who's a self-proclaimed virgin and being coached by a self-proclaimed – Proclaimed foot fetish guy like that seems (laughs) seems like there's going to be some awkward times in there somewhere.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't think their ticket sales are anything. I don't know. I think Jacksonville would have been a good place. for You know, if you use your
0: feet, you're still a virgin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe that's maybe Maybe that's that's where they connected. (laughs) Maybe that's maybe that's the loophole we're all overlooking, Logan. That yes, while he hasn't had traditional intercourse, he has made love to a foot or two. They got to talking on some chat rooms. Next thing you know. Tim Tebow is a jet. All right, Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up here with a haiku? Let's do it.
0: Roseanne Barr, starstruck. Hay Barrel, insurance scam. <laughs> Homeless hotspot gig.
1: Beautiful, Logan. Beautiful. All right you want to uh, nice. throw out some plugs David where can uh, where can people get more David van Heisen?
2: well stampede tonight uh, exactly nice power violence I'll be on power violence on Sunday to Sunday uh, and
1: uh, yeah sweet you want to, what what's your uh, Twitter handle
2: uh, at David underscore van Heisen.
1: there you go all right thank you everyone for listening to the green room and, uh, yeah, of course, we're going to be doing the Comedy Garage end of uh, March here, March 31st at Rafa's Lounge, 1836 West Sunset, 10 o'clock. David is uh, one of the guys on there. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com.
0: Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show.